0: Welcome to another episode of the Loving Life After Loss podcast. I am your host, Marie Alessi. people I'm so happy that we're here for another um, episode of Ask the Expert and again I have asked Adrian Hanks to come with me and discuss a topic that is quite a hot topic in loving life after loss in the space of grief and that is how to deal with family and there are quite a few different approaches and Adrian and I had a quick chat behind the scenes as we always do before we come live to you and uh, I just want to set the scene here a little bit. We will be talking about this topic more from a psychological, emotional, mental uh, mindset sort of perspective. I do understand that there might also be a lot of legal issues coming up when it comes to dealing with family in the space of grief. This is not the topic for today. So we will not be looking at it from a legal perspective. I can give you a sneak peek. I actually do have a beautiful lawyer who will come to us into the group for an Ask the Expert episode and uh, Linda and I will be speaking about um, a few different very common questions in the legal space when it comes to uh, a loss in the family and uh, so we will keep these questions for them. However, if there are any pressing questions from a legal perspective, please do feel free to ask them and I can see how I can pass them on or please contact your lawyer or your legal support team. So that is just a quick disclaimer that I wanted to put out there to set the scene. And without further ado, uh, Adrian, as always, can you do a quick introduction for all the new members in the group? Because every month we, we collect more and more members and the group is growing nicely and steadily. And uh, please do us the honour to introduce yourself. Welcome again.
1: Thank you. So firstly, once again, thank you for inviting me onto the show. I love being on here. We've done a few now and uh, each yeah, month- my different The different topics it's really good yeah. to be able to share that so a little bit of a background mm. for myself um i'm um, in, in my second marriage and i've got six adult children and i've got three mm-hmm. i've got four granddaughters and a grandson on the way in a few months time i'm very excited oh, yay. and just Congratulations. My, yeah thank you and from a professional perspective i've been in the coaching and psychotherapy space for over 20 years and mm. obviously a lot of clients who come to me are working in that grief space of losing partners, and um, some background into where I had quite a lot of experience. I used to work with Dr. Ian Goller in Victoria, and uh, a cancer retreat centre. So of course we dealt with lots of grief with people passing from cancer. So uh, you know hundreds and hundreds of people over the three and a half years I was there. Uh, yeah. We would deal with grief all the time. So we used to do a lot of ceremony and a lot of support in that space um, to help people mm-hmm. through the grief. So when I got invited on to be on here, I felt. All the experience I've had over the years, sort of, it's culminated to to be here on this yeah. show. So I'm very excited to be, you know, impart some information, some insight, and some some wisdom, if I can, mm. as well, to support people. It who is, are on. yeah. Journey. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, it is so beautiful to have you here, Adrian, because it is always nice to invite uh, other experts into the field to, you know, come from a different perspective, or sometimes even share perspectives that are really, really important to highlight and um, today's topic is is really quite a deep one and i feel we could fill many many sessions with that but we really try to give um uh, some you know you the essence of of a couple of things that we wanted to highlight and i'm going to hand it straight back to you because you have already taken a couple of points from that when it comes to dealing with family i think one one statement is quite fair to say Sometimes it's quite easy that emotions run high, in particular when it comes to a loss, in particular when it comes to grief, where there are so many different perspectives and so many different emotions, sometimes so many of them in a very, very short time frame. So I hand it back to you, Adrian, give us a bit of an overview of the things that you have already collected that you want to share with us
1: yeah so first and foremost i think it's really 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 important to state your needs in your journey mm. from from the passing you know whether that's just imminent and whether it's just happened or whether it's even long term if you haven't mm. written what i'd call your needs list i'd be suggesting everybody sits for a little while and writes down their needs mm. their physical needs emotional needs mental needs spiritual needs financial needs yeah. whatever they are get that complete because. If you meet a family member and you are in a high emotional state, it's easy to forget what one's needs are.
0: And mm-hmm. I think even if
1: you say to the person, look, I've written my needs down because I, I had a sentence, yeah. this might get emotional and I'm actually going mm-hmm. to revert back to my notes. Um, just like public speakers do sometimes, you know, they come back to their notes. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really important to be clear on them. So just so those heading the physical, the emotional, the mental, the spiritual, the financial, and what other support, needs to be there as well have it written because what happens when we meet with others particularly family members anger can rise and guilt mm. can rise resentment can rise and all those trigger points can rise in ourselves but also in others as well and if you get into that mm. heating space i say it's really easy to lose one's mindset and and, and say things perhaps yeah. you don't want to say or, or not set the scene and saying what you really need is your needs and one of yeah. the needs might be right now. I really need to be angry. Right now, mm. I really need to feel into deep sobbing. You know, whatever that need is. Yeah. And also remembering, Maria, I think is really important. Is every single member of the family will grieve differently.
0: Yes. Oh.
1: Some it will be inward. Absolutely. Some it will be outward. Mm. Some of it will mm. be projected on on others, and maybe yourself included. Yeah. Uh, so I think awareness around and once again, it could be a case of doing some, a little bit of note taking, a bit of journaling, mm-hmm. and just getting clear on how you feel or how you've experienced others in their emotional states. Mm-hmm. You can be prepared for that as well. I will say preparation I, is king. Yeah. You,
0: I, if if it's okay, I just want to quickly pause you on sure. this one, only because it just uh, it just triggered a memory for me that I want to very quickly share um, because at the very beginning stages, and I want to share this here because I feel that a lot of people might really, really relate to this deeply. And I hope it opens something up for you as well. Because at the beginning stages, I'm actually having a good spot sharing this. When Rob passed, I was so in the me space, in my pain, how I feel, how how intense it was for us in these early stages, that I had no emotional capacity to think about how others might feel. I had a little bit of that for Rob's immediate family, obviously, but it, I couldn't go beyond that. I had no capacity left. And I want to say two things here. First of all, that's absolutely okay. You know, this is your pain, this is your grief, and this is really intense for you. But I also say it, it was very, very healing for me once I got to that space where I had capacity left to walk back into that space. and. And um make sense of it, to step out of that judgment, as in you judging me or you are not getting me or you you you, and come back to this space or come to that space, not back to the space because it's something I had to heal to to grow to, come to a space where I thought, you know what, you and I are different people, you grieve Rob differently to how I grieved him, and that's okay, and sometimes that even means that we might go different paths sometimes just for a while and sometimes forever and that's okay but to not say this is right or this is wrong but this is my way and this is your way and that that's just what came up for me and that was a really really big thing for me when i got to that space and i just wanted to quickly share that so i hand it back to you
1: thank you and i think it's really important to recognize that you know everybody will be different and i think getting mm-hmm. very clear on your own grief process and mm-hmm. to be true with that grief process with your family members Try not to yeah. hide that true grief process that is needed for for oneself. I think it's really mm. important because in family, you know, there there are hierarchical systems in families, and those yeah. that are, you know, we become sur- servient to sometimes, and we change our behaviour, particularly around perhaps parents and older siblings. Mm. I think it's really important to follow one's true grieving process. It's so important, yeah. and, and and allowing that mm. to unfold as it's meant to mm. and, and as you say judgment can come up you know self-judgment and judgment on others and judgment from others to, to ourselves but just yeah. being aware of when that trigger of judgment comes up as well it's um mm. it, it's so, so so essential but yeah but back to the um, recommendation is write things down mm. write things down write down exactly what your needs are what your wants are what your desires are for the process with mm. each maybe each Need is different for each family member. But yeah. Spend some time today, to tomorrow, this week, if you haven't done that mm. already, um on, on that process. I, I said to uh, yeah. you, Marie, before we come on, it's a little bit like um, when you're going into a birthing, you have a birthing plan. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's really you have your clarity because when you're giving birth, you can't think about your needs You're just yeah. focused on giving birth. And grieving's a bit like mm. that. It's really hard to stay focused on on one's needs when you're in grief. So. Um, so please, mm-hmm. you know, have your, have your little book, um, have it written down, carry it with you, uh, mm-hmm. and use that. Something else I'd like to share is on on that one big trigger, and, and I'm sure I'd, I'd love for you to share something on this because I know you've been through. We spoke about mm-hmm. it. Is when we get to the will, because family wills can mm-hmm. totally break families.
0: I've yeah. seen it.
1: I've had clients with it. I've had friends with it. I've had family members with it. That when that will is produced and somebody is not happy. it it can be devastating so um so i don't know whether you have some experience in you know in in that space with family or or clients um yeah on on that space i have
0: to say with family luckily no so i'm very very blessed that everybody you know was just on the same page we just wanted i mean you know it was just rob the boys and i so none of the siblings would have had any veto on that that you know obviously the money that we had from the life insurance went to us as a family of three and uh, I don't think there were any legal issues around that anyway but even if there were so the family would have been completely supportive of that uh, so I'm I'm very I am very lucky and very very blessed with uh, the family I married into so you know there's luckily no experience there I do have um a lot of experience with clients of mine or members in the group that have shared or even outside the group where I've read so many issues around money, around ashes, unfortunately, around belongings, around the house they lived in, you know, and what I find such a shame is when it comes to anything materialistic, because at the end of the day we can't take any of that with us anyway and I think there's nothing more important than the emotional state of a person that's grieving and yeah say you know you can say whatever you want around this topic that you know we are human beings and none of us is perfect yet for me it is always such a shame and I I don't know what you think or feel about this Adrian I always feel the absolute ideal scenario is when you can bring somebody in as a mediator to take the emotion out of it yet not everybody's open to that you know but i think that would be a very very good approach to as as you said with your list you know if you can if you know it's getting emotional maybe just write it down and do the same thing with belongings you know why not make a list and the ashes that's a really really intense topic because there are so many emotions it's not materialistic belonging it is emotional um what happens with the ashes and not everybody knows what the loved one's wishes were and even if they are not always respected because sometimes people go like but this is my son or this is my husband or you know this is i need to make the decision and I'm gonna go very personal here for a moment because when Rob passed away, uh, Paul, his younger brother said to me very, very early on that mum and dad, which is Rob's parents, um, would want some of Rob's ashes. And my immediate reaction, I didn't say it. I just felt it and I thought I need to sit with that. I did not want to say it out loud. I can share it now. My immediate reaction was there is no way I could part his ashes. To me, it was like cutting him into pieces. That's how I felt at the very beginning. And luckily, I allowed myself to sit with it. And I think that's a very good advice for anything. If there is strong emotion, just allow yourself to sit with it. You don't need to act upon every emotion instantly. That's a big learning I had over the years. And, uh, And the more I sat with it, the more I was at peace with it because I realized, you know what, at the end of the day, they are only, only ashes, and Rob was their son. You know, like <laughs> my mother-in-law, she gave birth to him. Without, without them, I would have never had the pleasure of being married to him. So I instantly felt like, why on earth could I ever put my needs above theirs? And um, the more I let go of that thought, I can't possibly the more at peace I was and now I find it actually quite beautiful that there is a piece of Rob or you know his ashes um, in different places we spread the ashes on places where we holiday together we spread his ashes into the ocean the most part of it which was his wish we have some of it with Rob's parents a little bit still left in our home so there. There is so much peace around that now, and I just felt like sharing that because that is often a very, very big topic as well when it comes to family disputes after a loss, what happens with the ashes. Just sit with it and imagine, you know, your loved one, like everybody having a piece of of him, not in a flesh and physical sense of way, but in an energetic and love sense of way. And the more you share love, the more it grows. So I, I had that approach. And he gave me so much peace. And I truly hope that whoever listens to this might get something away from that as well.
1: Yeah. I think the idea when I was working with um, Ingola in Victoria, we had a cats mm. or a, a tree center for, for young people. And uh, one mm. of the young guys on there, he, he'd been to see the oncologist. He'd been given three months to live. He wanted to come to the mm. foundation to you know, learn meditation mm. and do a few different things. He was mm-hmm. a beautiful young guy. Mm-hmm. He was 17 years old. And uh, I was on the children's program working with him. And he actually prepared his funeral because he knew, with his uncle, he built his coffin, he arranged everything and he was clear Mm -hmm. where all his ashes were going to go. And I was very lucky to receive a little container, um, a little, Mm -hmm. in the old days, there was a little black photographic film container with some ashes in there that spread on the foundation. And he had his ashes spread by a police helicopter from the sky, Mm -hmm. from the top of a mountain. From lots of places. And his idea was, I want to be every, everywhere in the world. So his wishes wow. were followed, and everybody mm. had a little, little piece, and we we spread mm. it in places. I'm oh, just getting goosebumps while I'm speaking. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm I have a goosebumps yeah. just listening <laughs> to you. It's incredible. Uh, and it was just so. I think the importance of that moment, if if people are is still about to venture into that process, that's where you got really clear on your needs. And also get clear mm-hmm. on what the family needs are and that's a huge big discussion you know if the cremation is mm-hmm. going to happen and there are ashes to yeah. share or to hold that discussion could be potentially you know quite quite um, eruptive it, it could lead into lots of emotion so it's about yeah. getting really clear on one's needs but also learning to listen to other people's needs mm-hmm. and i think that's mm-hmm. something you mentioned before the mediator sometimes a mm-hmm. professional mediator or, or coach or counselor is a really good space to go to hold that yeah. space in negotiation it, it's sometimes really important mm-hmm. particularly if you know there's going to be yeah. tension um it's, it's mm-hmm. so so um yeah, yeah. So, yeah so, so that you know the ashes are one the will as i mentioned before can mm-hmm. be quite contentious so get clear mm-hmm. on you know who's the executor of the will Who's going to work in that space with you um i've I've had a few friends who've been through the will process in the last few years mm-hmm. and it, it was not a very pretty side. it was um it was pretty awful mm-hmm. for the individuals because people were contesting the yeah. will. and then of course the lawyers are the ones that win at the end of the day because they they take the chunk um, mm-hmm. but yeah it's, its a tough one uh, a couple of other things I got on here is um, um we we mentioned we had a conversation about how to get clarity around some of these questions or bringing. And you mentioned family constellations. So I'd like to yes. bring that in because having a system, sometimes it's mm-hmm. good to just talk to somebody one-on-one to, you know, work through what one needs to work through. Yeah. But if it's a complicated family situation, one mm-hmm. great way to do it is to dramatize that into like a, uh, if you like a role play or a situation. And I know mm-hmm. you you love your family constellations. I've done a few constellations myself i know a few me
0: too i love it yeah
1: um facilitators myself and um and a few people do it slightly differently but but can we
0: just because i i'm very aware that uh there is still it's still a sort of new thing in australia in europe it's very popular and for those in australia i don't even know about the u.s how popular it is or not but um should we maybe explain just the basics of family constellation and how it works
1: yeah Absolutely, yeah. You're you a facilitator yourself, Maria? You, I am, yeah. yeah. So would you like to explain as the facilitator? You, you know, I'm, I'm you're happy to give myself. my
0: little spiel that I usually yeah. do, and then you can add yours if you Absolutely. want to. I'm, I'm quite happy with it. So for like absolute simplicity, I often refer to family constellation as a human board game. So what happens in a family constellation is that you take representatives of the family, which can be done with other humans, as in, you know, people who volunteer who come together in a group and stand in for the people in your family to represent family members, to have that role play. But it can also be done with cups or any other objects really. So if it's just you doing a family constellation, I um I always do a family constellation at the VIP days that I run. So it's just me and the client and I literally use cups and you put as many cups as you have family members uh, on the table And basically I use the the handle as a nose so you know in which direction that person is looking. And I get the person, we refer to it as the focus. I'm not really sure what you call it, but the the focus is like you, the person who represents you is referred to as the focus. And you put the focus in there and the family members um, around on the table or in a room if it's done with real human beings. And then um, you look at the entire picture when you're done. When people are put on that field, in that room, on the table, um, then you look at the entire picture. And it's so beautiful for you because you are not in the picture. You're standing outside. So it gives you the outside perspective. And then when you do it with real humans, you can get feedback from them how they felt. Was it forceful? Does it feel comfortable? Does it not? People don't have to know anything about your family situation. They just feel, and it's incredible the feedback that you get. But even if you just do it with cups, you see from the dynamic how they are put on the table, who is close to who, who looks at who, who looks away from who. And um, in particular, when it comes to a death in the family, it's incredible because you always put that loved one that has passed over in a constellation as well. And what happens when that cup or that person is taking out, how it affects the rest of the dynamic every time it gives me goosebumps. It it is really incredible to see that from an outside perspective and what effect it has on you and the rest of the family. So that that is really very much in a nutshell. People still go like, how on earth does this work? And it's just very, very um, magical to me to, to run Family Constellations because there's always such a beautiful, beautiful outcome.
1: Uh, and realisations that come through that. Yeah, yeah. Please
0: um, fill I'm, I'm, in I'm, the I'm, gaps I'm, if
1: I left anything out. <laughs> yeah. so, so, so what I love about it, and you, you touched on this uh, Marie was rather than being in the centre and being subjective, one gets an yeah. absolutely objective view of what's happening, and I think that is so important mm. because, as we've mentioned before, when you, you're deeply in the emotion, it's hard yeah. to be in the left brain and sort of see things from a logical reality perspective. So by mm. stepping out of it and seeing it from a more of an objective perspective. One can get mm-hmm. so much clarity, particularly on the other family members. You know you may mm-hmm. have Auntie Edith who's in the family that is generally nice and quiet and demure mm-hmm. and doesn't say very much. But when she's in the constellation, she's represented by somebody, maybe for the first time you're going to hear or feel what she really yeah. has to say. yeah um, it gives it gives the if you like, the players, the the um the representatives of the family members in there that opportunity Mm -hmm. to feel into what the family member may feel like saying but may be too shy or too afraid to say Mm
0: -hmm. to other family
1: members and so i Mm -hmm. I think the the magic of family constellation is that it it works on such a subtle subtle level Mm -hmm. and if one's aware of those um, from an objective perspective rather than subjective one Mm -hmm. can start to understand the, the whole dynamic rather than just one's own relationship mm. to what's going on so so that sounds
0: like a like a wrap i need to wrap my brain around this objective objective perspective rather than subjective
1: yeah Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <whoa>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and that's what i use a lot in my therapy I, I get my client to sort of step aside and we put the representation in yeah. to represent them it's very similar uh, process with a bit sort of gestalt style and then we get them yeah, to feel what, what they're seeing what they're feeling from the objective yeah. and and it's so easier then for them to say, well, I can see myself as a five year old or a ten year old or a twenty year old. Mm-hmm. This is what I see. This is. I'm, I'm, it's almost like we're mm-hmm. we're replaying the situation on video and we're watching it all over again. Yeah. When we use I, uh, like family yeah. constellations, it can be mm-hmm. such a great resource. So once again, yeah. the recommendation is family constellations yeah. or something similar as a resource. Yeah.
0: Literally, exactly. Just Google it in in your area and if you want recommendations around Sydney, I can certainly give you those as well. Uh, One thing I forgot to mention with the family constellation, when you do it with uh, real people, which is my favourite part of the entire constellation, is at the very end of it, when you're done with the constellation, when you did your adjusting, your asking questions and all of that, um, to then... You know, if you are doing the constellation, you are replaced with the focus, which is the person representing you. You then stand in the constellation. So at the very end, you do get your subjective uh, perspective back. And and that is just so incredible when you then when when you've done the adjustments, when you ask your questions, when you had your learnings, when you did your healing, to then step back into it. And how does it feel now? And remember, this is all role play. So when you have this moment of how does it feel now? There's opportunity in that. You can then take that into the real world and take that healing and the learning into the real world. And, and that to me is where the magic happens. So, yeah.
1: It's a very magical process. And that's I've got, I've got mm-hmm. a few friends who are um, Constellation facilitators. And uh, you know, Yeah, so a- if,
0: if, in which area are you? In case somebody wants recognition? recommendation. I'm, I'm on the Gold Coast. Staff.
1: So, so I've, yeah. I know a facilitator in, the, um, in Sunshine Coast. Uh, I know a facilitator mm-hmm. here on the Gold Coast, and yeah. also. So please, yeah. please
0: do reach out if yeah. if you guys, anybody listening to this, want recommendations. Gold Coast, Sunshine Coast, Sydney, uh, yeah. Adrian and I can certainly help you out with that, or uh, simply just Google it. You know, I always prefer when it comes with recommendations, um, yeah. because yeah, it is good to know if somebody does a really good <laughs> constellation. <laughs> there there is yeah. different facilitators, different methods out there, but yeah, I, I just love it.
1: Yeah, there are look, there's those that follow more of the traditional line and some have sort of stepped out mm-hmm. and created their yeah. own and it's, it's a little bit different and, um, and I've yeah. experienced a few different types. So, yeah, I love it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, having that as a resource, I think, is, is really, really important. Um, mm-hmm. And reaching out f- and, and back into the sort of groove of where we're going, with people, is find that support person that can help you within the family because... It's it's good to get a professional from outside who doesn't know the family, yeah. but having somebody within the family to support because they know mm-hmm. you, they understand you more, they they get your emotions more. So um, what I often do if I'm doing family work with families is I do what I call the concentric circle. I put mm-hmm. the person in the middle, the client or the person in the middle, and then we do about five different rings, and we write or we name the close family members in the inner circle. Mm-hmm. And then the next people and then the next until you sort of get to the third cousins or whoever you're working with you don't know very well and then you look at the whole complete circle and say one who in there do i trust the most (laughs) which one do i connect with the most where's the synergy the most and you pick two or three people and you might be surprised if you do that process that those that you think are the closest on the inside are not always the closest it could be some family member on the outside that you haven't seen for a while but you know mm-hmm. there's a connection and that's the mm. person you call a phone or email or, or connect to. So that concentric circle process is really good to hone in on. And you name all it's your so beautiful. Members. It's a I really it. good process because it becomes yeah. a visual process. And mm-hmm. once again, it's an objective process again. And then you feel into it once you've been objective and you see which family member am I going to connect with. And It could be just yeah. anti that so you haven't seen for two or three years, but you know that when yeah. you did, there was a beautiful connection and you understood each other. Yeah, well, so that would be the person I love
0: this it. because, like, even just listening to you, I was going through, you know, he's in the inner circle, who do I trust the most, and then going out, of it, and then and then we're like, it might be on the outer circle, or, you know, who you really trust, and that intimate, like, yeah, my godfather, he's not in my inner circle, but he's the one person I trust the most and even if we don't speak for a couple of months or years even there is this instant connection and that instant trust like 100 percent trust and that, that is really beautiful I, I literally just mentioned him in my life on monday and now he comes up again so yeah time oh, to reach out again yeah.
1: and, and yeah, <laughs> yeah and yeah but if if i got you to draw that concentric circle as you said he mm-hmm. may not be in that inner circle with you
0: no he was in the third circle
1: yeah there we okay, go so isn't that
0: incredible yeah.
1: yeah so objectively you can see that and then you can name them and say right mm. i know who i need to contact today because he's the one i trust the most yeah well that's a great exercise so oh, I call that I it. concentric circle process yeah and you can use it for lots of things if you if you're struggling mm. in your life or you've got anything going on i highly recommend doing that concentric with your
0: circle. friends as well yeah. i guess you yeah. your
1: friend circle mm. and a family one or you can combine them mm. um, it's just a really I, I use that a fair bit in, in my therapy work with people oh, and it's,
0: that's my it's, gift for me today I love this yeah. this is such a beautiful idea yeah.
1: mm. and, and and what you can do you can even draw a blank one and then you know um, photocopy a few off and, and have them on the ready yeah. to go and then use them for yeah. whenever you need them it's a it's a really mm, good process I love it mm. I think you know because the topic for today is how do I deal with family members so mm. I just want to jump in a little bit and go when you have that difficult family member, the one that you may be rubbing up against and you're, you're not gelling mm-hmm. with, and there's conflict, how do you deal with that individual member? Or maybe there's a couple. So I just want to touch on that, and you might have um, something to, to share from personal as well on this. Is firstly, you know, it's like working out what the relationship is with with that individual, what is the potential uh, mm-hmm. conflict that's going to arise, and one how can you take responsibility for not bringing those triggers in to trigger that person and also Mm. if you know you're going to get triggered by that how can you prepare yourself to come into that conversation that meeting with the person preparation preparation Mm. preparation it's key and if you need a third person to be there whether it's a family member or professional Mm. i'd highly recommend you bring that third person in It's like couples counselling, you know, having that third person in there just Mm. alleviates that potential conflict in that conversation. So, you know, once again, in your needs list, with each Mm -hmm. of those individuals that you've now put on your concentric circle list, maybe you can, the addition to that list then is, how do I relate to each of my family members? Mm -hmm. You know, you might do a a big 10 for really well and a nine and then a one for those that you don't relate well. Mm -hmm. And then you realize, well, next week I'll have to have a meeting with Uncle Brian, who's number three. Mm-hmm. So how am I going to prepare for that? So that's going to be different than dealing with Auntie Edith, who's a number 10. So mm-hmm. having some understanding of each family member, a little bit like a constellation again, mm-hmm. understanding how that relationship is going to happen with each one. Because if, if we yeah. don't prepare and we're in grief and we're not able to hold, that's when the eruptions happen. That's when the conflict happens. Yeah. So taking some personal responsibility, mm. step into the communication, mm. conversation, meeting is really, really important. Yeah. So uh, you know, and uh, it's
0: sometimes really quite tricky, you know, taking responsibility when you are in such a deep emotional state because your logical brain often switches off when you are in emotion. So. That's why I love what you said, you know, preparation is key. And two things came up for me, two key words in that. One is kindness and one is intention. I think the number one thing I want to really bring across here is to be kind to yourself in that process. You know, it is such an out-of-the-norm situation that you're dealing with here right now that you really, really need to extend yourself some kindness in the process you know we we all make mistakes as uh, as human beings and we all can get emotional so when these things happen please be kind to yourself and the second thing is remember that this is this is my perspective on it but i'm just going to say it that usually there is a good intention behind whatever action it is that might trigger you And often that is very, very difficult to see when you're in the emotion. And that's when things like outside perspective, uh, you know, the circle exercise or family consolation can really help because you go into the outside perspective. But kindness and intention are two keywords for me here. You know, be kind to yourself and remember I like to trust that there is good intention behind the actions even when it comes to disputes over a will you know there's often just their their own grief or their own I want to feel close to this person I need to have this you know there, there's often a need a want a different perspective behind that where very often the intention or the driving factor is surprisingly still love and that is sometimes really difficult to see so please allow yourself to have help from the outside or or from the inside, you know, like uh speaking of inner circle family or even things like uh inner child, inner higher self, you know, working with these factors as well is really quite magical in this process.
1: Yeah, it is. And and uh what what I'd also like to touch on, Marie, because we we sort of touched on family members as if they're sort of mm you know, uncles and aunts and mothers, I just want to touch on children for a moment. And of course, you know, this is... Yes, a, a new, is, of course. I mean, because because mm-hmm. dealing with children in grief, losing a part, particularly a father, is different than any other family member, like totally different, mm-hmm. you know, mothers or fathers and uncles and cousins. But when you have children involved and, and you've been through this experience yourself, I've got goosebumps mm-hmm. again talking about mm-hmm. it. I'm actually working with somebody at the moment who's 17, a young guy. He's really angry. He's taking it out on his mummy, swearing at her, yelling at her. Like, he's going absolutely Mm -hmm. crazy. Like, you know, she is almost unable to cope with him. Man, he's 17 Mm -hmm. and his father died when he was 11. And uh, he Mm -hmm. hasn't really had the support to grieve through or work through. His anger, his um, guilt, you know, all those things come up. So I'm I'm working with him slowly and carefully as a Mm -hmm. 17-year-old. And he's he's right on the edge of dynamite. Like, he's ready to explode and, you know, potentially do something, you know, crazy to somebody or to himself at any moment. Because he's been pent up for five or six years, where he hasn't had the support um, for for many yeah. reasons. So I just want to touch really quite seriously on how to deal with children in this space, mm. because they have to be able to agree, they have to be able to speak, they have to be able to say how they're feeling. And sometimes as parents or uncles and aunties, we don't want to hear what they have to say, you know. Mm. So 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 I just like you know, can you share something maybe? About your experience, because mm. you know, it's 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 yeah. close to where you've you've been. I yeah, it's it's I very close to home, home. home absolutely. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. So first of all, you know, there's there's definitely a huge huge difference in terms of how old the children are. You know, uh, I can speak from my perspective. Flynn and Jed were ten and eight when Rob passed away, mm. and the tricky part for me in holding space for my own kids when they were grieving was that they dealt with the passing of props so differently. So one talked about it all the time, every single night there was tears and uh, crying and the other one didn't wanna cry, didn't wanna talk about it, didn't. And, and then it switched over as well. So they, they were actually hardly at all on the same page for the first three, four years. And only in the last one to two years, because we're going on five years now in June, um, have we come to a space where I feel the boys have grown so much through that. I'm not just talking physically that too, but on an emotional level, they've become such mature, incredible young adults. You know, they're both teenagers now where uh, they have a level of communication that blows me away. And I get this reflected back to me so often by other parents where they said, your boys really, really stand out in the way they communicate. And this gives me so much reassurance because Adrian, I've, I've shared this quite openly in my group. Last year, I've gone back into therapy because I had this anxiety come up for me quite intensely after my father-in-law passed away. We were in the room with him when he passed and Flynn and Jet were there with me and it retriggered. Really triggered. You know deeply um, and that brought up anxiety for me did I do the right thing by them did I create the right space for their grief and luckily the answer was yes and I worked through that with a therapist but I also got a very very clear yes from both my boys which was incredible so I did ask them to come to the therapy with me once and I solely to them it sounds really terrible when I say it like that but um, I said I need your support there you know I need to work through this and I'd really really appreciate it if you would come with me I didn't make it about you need therapy and you need to talk you know I, I made it about me because that's what I needed of course knowing in the back of my head and in the back of my heart uh, that it will help them as well when they come along and it was so beautiful it was so beautiful and I have to say we have come to a level now where these topics just come up organically every now and then over over the dinner. That is the one thing that I always insist on that we sit together at the dinner table. Uh, and these conversations come up and I think the most general recommendation that I can give straight from my heart is to keep the lines of communication open. Don't force it. Don't try to talk about it every day and every night and you know keep it natural. There were days where we didn't talk about Rob, sometimes maybe even weeks. I don't know. I didn't keep count. And then there were other days where we would talk about him all the time. But it, it's just such a natural ebb and flow that you go through. And I think the most important part is to never, ever force anything. Um, just be present. Be present as can be. And that's sometimes the trickiest thing when you're going through your own grief, to be fully present to somebody else's. Even if they're your kids and they're so close to you, it can be really difficult at times when you're dealing with such deep emotions. So oof, it's 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 really tricky to to you know come up with one big solution. But for me, if if I have to boil it down, it's it's those two be present and keep the lines of communication open. That that is really the two most important things. Everybody's yeah. got such different needs, including your kids,
1: you know? yeah. Absolutely. And um and two aspects to this that I'd like to add as well is We have the children who are the children in the home that we see and we experience every day as parents. And then there's Mm. the child that goes to school or goes into the social scene. And they can be absolutely opposite of what they are in the home. But having somebody on the outside looking in and and watching out for them, whether that's a teacher or Mm. somebody in the community, is a great Mm -hmm. resource to have um, because we don't always know really what our children are doing in school or in the social space. And you know how are they interacting with other children? How are they interacting with with their peers? You know, are they mm. openly talking and grieving with their peers? Are they unable to do that because they're being teased? All those mm. questions. I think having a handle yeah. and an understanding of the child outside of the home. This is what's happening with the 17-year-old that I'm working with. His mum, mm. you know, sees him in the home as a one, but when he's on the outside, he's a very different child. He's getting into trouble, and she yeah. wasn't aware of it. And, he was mucking up mm. and getting, you know, with the police and different things. And it's yeah. because he's breathing, he's angry, you know. And yeah. of course, the police weren't seeing that or understanding that, so we're having to deal mm. with the police and, you know, the services because um, they're, they're, yeah. they're two different children: in the home child and out the home child. Mm. But I think becoming aware of that as a parent, um, or uncle yeah. or an auntie, whatever relationship you have with a child, is really important to follow through on that absolute awareness mm. of where the child is at in their grieving process. Um, yeah said, i think they breathe differently you, yeah. you were totally different
0: yeah. yeah this this just triggered another idea for me that i want to share here um mm-hmm. because i it took me one and a half years to realize that flynn had never shared at school that his dad passed away here we go. and i was gobsmacked at first he came up in a conversation with the teacher the parent teacher interview where uh, you know, I, I talk about Father's Day coming up and, and and then all of a sudden it dawned on me. And I said, do you, do you actually know that Flynn's dad passed away? He said, no, I didn't. And then he clicked and I said, of course not. Why why would he even come up? Flynn wouldn't go up to a teacher and say, hey, by the, by the way, my dad died, you know, a couple of years ago. None of the kids would do that. And I sat with that because it shocked me at first. And then I realised it's like, it's A, it's going to be normal. Why would it come up? Why would they say that? And B, most kids don't want to be seen as oh, the the dude whose dad passed away. You know, they don't want that. They just want to be normal. They want to be seen as normal kids. But it doesn't mean that they don't have these emotional triggers. When there's Father's Day, when there's all the other dads at school, at the Sausage or whatever, you know, there are triggers. So around these times when you know things like Father's Day coming up, to be aware And as you said, Adrian, do you have people in the outside world, i.e. a school counsellor or their year teacher or, you know, somebody that you can talk to and say, can you just please keep an eye on my boys that day or on your kids, you know? And I did do that without Flynn and Jed knowing um, because I didn't want them to feel there's something wrong or there's something this. I just wanted somebody to be aware Just somebody to be aware. And I said, I don't even want you to talk to them about it. I just want you to be aware so you can keep an eye on them. And every time I got this feedback, it's like, they're happy. They're good. They're in a good space. And, you know, having a school counselor there, your kids might not be ready to talk to them or might be past that stage where they want to talk to them. But having that connection, somebody to keep an eye on them, I can highly recommend that. I found that very helpful and very beautiful over the years. So that's a really good thing to think about.
1: Yeah, well, it brings you some relief too, doesn't it? Because, you know, you don't have to, yeah. have to worry every day that you know there's somebody out there with eyes on your child, uh, which yeah. is a great relief as well. You're not carrying that extra burden of having to look mm. after the child as well. So look, we've given, you know, quite <laughs> quite a few, few tips about yeah. really <laughs> understanding the child. And if you're not a parent, even if it's your nephew or your niece, yeah. um, what, granddaughter or your grandson you know even Mm. from that perspective are you aware of that child in terms of that family constellation space yeah is there is there some so probably what i like to pose is is there something more that the listeners and watchers today can do for those Mm. children in that family where somebody has passed so i just want Mm. that awareness to drop in for everybody watching and listening in might, that might be your son or daughter it could be an mm. you know niece or a nephew or such but just that yeah. awareness um and supporting that i, I think it's really important um because the children mm. need holding and they really do it's um yeah you know, i've had that in the family myself and i've had friends who've got the children and it's uh they do it tough they do it tough, mm. do it tough you know? yeah so let's let's support the children Mm. thank you
0: so much for bringing that up thank you for everything that you shared today i just want to point it out there for anybody listening to this i know we went way over time today but it is a really huge topic how to deal with family there is no straightforward one size fits all answer because every family is so different every constellation of a family is different and uh, we go through different stages every day so i want to bring it back to please be kind to yourself Please keep the lines of communication open, not just with your children, but with the outside world. And coming back to one of the things that you suggested, Adrian, um, when you know that it might be emotional, write a list, write a list of things, of points that you want to bring across and maybe start with that. I always suggest that you communicate directly if you can, because the written word often gets you know, interpret it in the way that you would read it, that you would see it, or the other person would read it and see it. So try to communicate with the person directly and have the list as a crutch, as a helping point when it does, does get too emotional. Um, but if there's any other questions out there, Adrian and I are always available in the group. If you have any questions around it, please, please, please put it in the comments below the interview so we know what this is in regards to. Or if you find it too personal, please do feel free to reach out to either of us in a private message. Okay, so I want to put that out there. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for being here, holding space, and sharing such beautiful ideas. And I'm going to let you wrap up the session today, Adrian. Thank you so much.
1: Okay. Yeah, I, I think the key message, and you shared this, too, is, is the gentleness, you know. Just yeah. be gentle with yourself. Be gentle with your family members. Mm-hmm. Be gentle with all those around you. And that word compassion, you know, self-compassion and compassion for others. Yeah. Oh. Compassion is the word to use when there's grief. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's uh, Absolutely. Yeah, like to leave, leave with the message of, um, you know, full compassion for, for everybody involved with, you know, the individual that's passed.
0: Thank you so much. And so much love to everyone listening to this. This is Adrian and Marie signing off. Bye for now. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you enjoyed the show and you would like to find out more about loving life after loss, please visit MarieAlessi.com. I shall see you next week. Bye.